was the opening music to Universal Studios' Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. And when was it released? Uh, June 15th, 1948. I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson, and welcome back to Classic Movie Reviews in one of the funnier movies I think uh, is around. Yeah, and so you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net or on iTunes, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And, uh, yeah, this was voted as one of the top 100 comedies. Is it top 100 comedies of all time? Was that the category? It was. Uh, one of the, yeah, the yeah, top 100 funniest movies. And it's also on the National Film Registry. Uh, it's preserved on that because of its uh, culturally... Because it's culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. <laughs> <laughs> right up there with Lawrence of Arabia and Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to see the cultural significance, but I, I guess, like from a historical standpoint, I guess it is uh, significant in that sense. But <laughs> I do kind of find that funny. I do think I it's. I do think it's one of the funnier movies I've seen, though, for sure. It is funny. They they were really the top comedy act from, like, I don't know, 1940 until 1950. And then uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin came along and replaced them. But Abbott and Costello, they had a radio show. They had television shows. I mean, they were everywhere. And they made a lot of movies, too, didn't they? Yes, they did. They they did, and they had the usual partner fallouts and got mad at one another and weren't speaking for a while. Then they got back together and yeah, they they honed all their acts. It said uh, in vaudeville. Yeah, I think it was uh, burlesque or something. That's where um, was it? Is Bud? I always get the two of them confused. I don't know why, but Bud was the taller, more straight man, right? Or is he? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bud is the. He's kind of the antagonist, and, and Lou is sort of the, oh, what? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing here, but we'll have fun anyway. I watched a little bit of the making of this movie. They were saying that Bud Abbott started in comedy, and he was actually in burlesque, and his family, that's where his family kind of came from. And then Lou uh, Costello came out to Hollywood because he he was a huge fan of Charlie Chaplin and and kind of that was his inspiration came out here and really couldn't get much work so got some advice that he should just go back home and and perfect his craft and then wait for Hollywood to call him which seems a little bit like it's like it's not working for you but just or Lou you should probably just go home but he actually wound up in a comedy act where he met uh, Bud Abbott and the two of them just hit it off right away. It was kind of like that perfect chemistry, and then the rest well, is they, history. They were, I read a couple of other things in kind of connection to that. One, I guess he was very good at business. He was very, I know he's really fun, funny, and plays kind of a bumbling fool in many of his roles. But he wasn't that way in real life at all. Are you you're talking about Lou Costello? Uh, yeah, Lou yeah. Costello. Yeah. And then the other thing, and this is the one I really found surprising. He was a really excellent boxer. Oh, really? He doesn't look like it. (laughs) He must have had a special weight division. (laughs) But, yeah, I said he was 
he, he did really well at that. And uh, when I watch him move and all, I can kind of tell that he has some training in that way. Well, he's a good physical comedian. I, I, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they are trying to move the crates around in the in the shipping office. And oh yes, for yes. some reason I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, well, his character's name is Wilbur in the movie. So Lou Costello plays Wilbur, and then Bud Abbott plays Chick. And Wilbur's up on top of that crate, and it starts rocking back and forth, and. He doesn't fall. He doesn't fall off. <laughs> it's really funny. I don't want them handling any of my freight. No, they were te terrible, terrible at their job. Really, I mean, I don't know how they didn't get fired. <laughs> I sent you a note. Uh, I think I said they won't be getting any excellent customer services ratings. Holy smokes! There, there's just no way that we're going to be able to talk about all of our favorite scenes because I just every, no. There's so many. Every single. Uh, scene was it was just so funny there was another one where wilbur chick tells wilbur to go get this woman's bag but the bag hadn't been loaded off the truck yet and right. he, he walks by the counter and the woman's got like this uh minx coat or something it's some kind of dead animal on her arm and wilbur starts barking at it <laughs> i'd like to have my grip please yes ma'am we see that well they came in on the last train we haven't unloaded the truck yet. Go out and get the lady's grip. Hurry up. Excuse me. Excuse me, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so, just so weird and funny. And then he proceeds out, and the bag that he wants is on the very bottom, so the whole pile comes down. Yeah, so, it's, it. yeah so instead of like unloading it from the top, he just grabs the one off the bottom, and yeah, everything falls on his head. And then, and then the woman that uh, we learn, I think her name is Sandra, uh, shows up and, and is very concerned about Wilbur's head. <laughs> oh, Dr. Mornay. Dr. Mornay. Dr. Mornay, yes. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got the perfect brain. The perfect brain, yes. And she, she wants him for his brain, which Chick just can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how do you want to go? Do you want to just kind of go through well, it? Well, yeah, we can go through it a little linear bit. Linear fashion? Yeah, or? we should do that. So, I really like the opening music. What did you think about the, the music at the beginning? Oh, it was great. And those cartoon characters going across the landscape. Uh, looked like a graveyard. It was really nice artwork. I thought it was appropriate that they opened it with a cartoon because, honestly, the whole movie is kind of like a live-action cartoon to me. It so is. It... The, hi the highlight is uh, when, for me is when Bella Lagosa is going to fly... And it's a cartoon bat, and then it turns into a bat, uh, like a, a model, and then it's him with another cartoon transformation. Yeah. It's, 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 it, but when I saw this as a kid, I thought, well, that works. So you're, you're talking about whenever Dracula transforms into a bat or from a bat back into his regular form, it was kind of right. like a cartoon, yeah. Yeah, I thought they I just did pretty good with that. I mean, you could tell it was a cartoon, but I mean, what else are they going to do back in 1948? I mean, that's the probably the best they could do. I was going to mention because I always look this up. It did really well in the box office. Obviously, made a lot of money, and the director Charles Barton did a lot of Abbott and Costello movies. Directed a lot of them, so he he was used to working with Lou and Bud. Well, that makes sense because once you find a director that 
you work well with as a, a comedian, like a comedy pair like the two of them, I think you'd stick with them. Uh, your your notes that you sent to me are more uh, linear than mine, which are more general. Well, Why don't we follow yours along? I'm going yeah, go to go that so page. The first opening scene is the Wolfman calling from London in his London hotel room, and it's very atmospheric. You kind of get a, a glimpse of a, what are they called, a bobby? Like a London police officer right? is yeah. kind of like patrolling the streets, and then you see the Wolfman in his hotel room and he calls the shipping office in Florida and our our favorite two favorite characters Wilbur and Chick are at the shipping office and Wilbur again played by Luke Costello answers the phone go answer the phone <laughs> go ahead I'll pick these up baggage room London calling here uh, St. Collect, is it? Oh, all right, put them on. Hello? Do you have two crates addressed to the McDougal House of Horrors? Uh, what's the number on the checks? Oh, never mind that. Tonight the moon will be full here. I haven't much time. Now listen closely. I'm flying out of here at dawn. Under no circumstances are you to deliver those crates until I arrive. Understand? Under... Mr. McDougal, will you stop gargling your throat? have to get your dog away from the phone. I can't hear a word you're saying. You're awful silly to call me all the way from London just to have your dog talk to me. That's a fine conversation. A guy growls like a wolf. The nerve of some people. <laughs> that whole uh, railway... Express office where they work. The, all those scenes just blend together. There's so many of them. We could spend the whole time just on that one opening. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean that that whole. I mean it's just one kind of set piece after another, and <laughs> it's like stand up comedy kind of. But you know, it's it's in this movie. Uh, and then and then we uh, see Bud and Lou uh, where they they've actually kind of got, they they've got these two crates. One is a huge stand-up crate and then one's more it's like a coffin. And Wil Wilbur's left alone in the in the shipping office with the crates at night cuz he's I guess he's supposed to be waiting there for the guy to come pick him up. And of course odd things start happening like he's sitting next to the uh coffin and the lid of the coffin starts to open up and the candle slides across and it was the best part of that for me was when Wilbur couldn't find his voice and he's like he keeps himself alive by drinking the blood
it's just so funny that every time Chick would come in, everything was totally normal. And of course, Chick's the straight man played by Bud uh, Bud Abbott, and he doesn't think anything's wrong. <laughs> it goes on. It's like that almost for the whole whole movie. I think that those scenes are after they've moved the crates to McDougal's House of Horrors. Oh, is that after they've moved him to the house? I, I so they're so. in the House of Horrors at that I point. I think they're in the House of Horrors. And my, another favorite <clears throat> actor is the guy that plays McDougal. Yeah. It was impossible for him to just talk. He was always yelling. He was yelling at him, suing, I'm going to sue you. Well, I mean, I kind of understood why. I'd probably be the same. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not suspicious at all that this person from Europe or London or wherever just calls him up. And wants to ship him these two crates. It's like, oh, Not at all. great. I'll put him in my house of horrors. You know, it's like, and then we get to that part where uh, Wilbur's on top of the crate and the crate's rocking back and forth. Uh, or wait, let's see. No, that was a little bit earlier. So basically we get to a point where Dracula comes out of the coffin and hypnotizes Wilbur. And I like that part because... Wilbur's hypnotized while Dracula is un uncrating the creature, you know, Frankenstein's monster. And he's sort of hypnotized while that's happening, but then he, he wakes up right as the monster comes out of the crate, and he's like, again, he's just this look of complete horror on his, on his face, but then he composes himself enough to pretend that he's still hypnotized. And what I loved about that scene was the creature walks by Wilbur and takes a look at Wilbur, and the creature is scared <laughs> by Wilbur. <laughs> I was reading where uh, Lou Abbott was, or Lou Costello was so funny on the set of the of making of the movie. He kept cracking up everybody because of his jokes, and the guy that played Dracula, or, I mean Frankenstein, Glenn Strange, could not keep a straight face. Really? <laughs> and it says that in one of the scenes in the castle, where he's, uh, where uh, Wilbur Lou is sitting on his lap, he's actually he's actually starting to crack up in that scene. <laughs> I haven't watched it again after reading that, but I'm going to. Oh, I'll watch that again, too, because I do remember that scene where he's sitting on his lap. Um, so then next we're at the laboratory, and this is where we first see Dracula flying as a bat, and then he can, turns back into his normal human-looking self. Uh, and we learn about Dracula's plan to replace the creature's brain with another brain, that's more pliable, and obviously they're talking about Wilbur's brain. Nervous, my dear? This is risky business. Not as risky as those curious operations of yours that so intrigued the European police, yet much more profitable. Restore the monster for me, and you shall have anything you wish. In that case, we better start as soon as possible. It's dangerous to leave him in this weakened condition. Have you mastered Dr. Frankenstein's notebook? Let me get my hand on a scalpel again, and you shall see. And about the brain. I don't want to repeat Frankenstein's mistake and revive a vicious, unmanageable brute. This time the monster must have no will of his own, no fiendish intellect to oppose his master. There, my dear Count, I believe I have exceeded your fondest wishes. The new brain I've chosen for the monster is so simple, so pliable. It will obey you like a trained dog. Good. <laughs> That's kind of the crux of the plot. They want to get Wilbur to the 
laboratory so they can replace the creature's brain with with his brain. I love the castle. The the uh, I imagine that was a matte painting of yeah. the castle, but with the lighting and the black and white photography, it looked really it looked really scary. I I don't remember how I reacted when I saw it. I think I saw it when I was about nine, but I'm sure I was scared of that. Yeah, there's some scenes that are more scary, uh, but it's hard. It's really hard for me to judge like how scary that would have been back in 1948 because the whole thing to me just seems amusing, you know, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I half expected to keep seeing Marty Feldman coming around the corner looking for Abby Normal Brain. Yeah, <laughs> but Wil Wilbur's brain is the actual Abby Normal Brain <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> um Poor that, Wilbur, although he had a lot of girlfriends. He did, yeah. uh, which was very confounding to Chick, because he cannot understand why all these women uh, want uh, Wilbur. Uh, but, of course, they just are using him, but Wilbur doesn't know or probably care. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't seem to care, though. No. Uh, but back no. in the, after that, we cut back to the apartment with Chick and Wilbur, and there's just more nonstop, like, stick between the two of them. Uh one of my favorite parts of that was where Wilbur is imitating Dracula and tries to hypnotize Chick, and Chick, so <laughs> Chick sort of plays along with it, and Wilbur's like, "Oh no, I've, I've hypnotized him," and Chick's like, "Oh, sh whatever, you know, you're just you're just crazy." And then the that wolf, was a good, yeah, that was a good part of the movie. I like that. Any time the two of them were together was was great. Uh, and then the Wolfman shows up at their door, and. Immediately says that you've got to lock me into my room, because <laughs> I I don't remember why he says that they need to, that he needs to be locked up. But oh, the moon the moon is going to be full and it's almost time to come up. The oh, moon is almost rising. That's right. So they so they end up locking him up in his room. But of course, Wilbur f forgets to lock his bag up with him in the room. So Wilbur goes back into the Wolfman's hotel room. And is looking for the Wolfman, but he's nowhere to be found. Uh, actually, he's in the bathroom, and Wilbur's completely oblivious to the fact that there's a Wolfman in the room with him. Uh, he he takes an apple with him as he's leaving, and he yeah. <laughs> he he locks the door just as the Wolfman almost escapes. And then he and then Wilbur feels guilty that he took this apple, and I'm like, it's just an apple. Like, it's not like you're going to be charged for it. Um, so he, he, he thinks about going back into the room to put <laughs> yeah. the apple back. The look on his face is like, oh, I shouldn't have taken this. Did he count the apples? He probably counted the apples. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some great suspense there because the wolfman's right on the other side of the door, and if he opens it up, he's going to get attacked. Uh, but he ends up not going back in. Um, and then we cut to a scene at the insurance agency where we meet another woman the the insurance agent, and she's got a plan to get Wilbur to talk and fess up to where he's put these two exhibit pieces, you know, like Dracula and, and the Frankenstein monster. A fine insurance company I'm doing business with, outsmarted by a couple of morons. Those two crooks got out of jail, on bail. We know that, Mr. McDougal, but you see, we... In fact, I arranged it. You? Who are you? This is Miss Raymond, an investigator from the home office. It's my job, Mr. McDougal, to find those missing exhibits. I'm quite sure I can persuade the chubby little fellow to lead me right to them. Naturally, I couldn't persuade him very well in jail. 
And of course, she's absolutely gorgeous. Of as course, Doctor Mornay. Of course, and Wilbur's in Seventh Heaven. So then, and then I love this next scene. So they cut back to the apartment. Like I don't know if it's a hotel or I guess it's probably an apartment room or building. But uh, Wilbur's girlfriend shows up to invite him to a masquerade ball. She compliments Wilbur on having such a great brain. Again, it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the whole time Chick is in the background, like giving him these looks. Like, what is going on? Like, why does this woman? want to even hang out with you and then there's a knock at the and then okay so then dr mornay leaves and then there's a knock at the door immediately after and wilbur opens the door and the blonde bombshell insurance agent just immediately kisses him <laughs> <laughs> which was his driving chick really bonkers yeah yeah, and there's a great line because uh chick's like well now you've got two dates what about sandra you bigamist Sandra? I don't know. Joan is awful cute. All right, you take Joan, I'll take Sandra. Oh, Sandra sends me. Well, then I'll take Joan. Joan sends me, too. Now, listen, you sawed-off Romeo. In a minute, I'll send you. You don't even appeal to me. Look, Wilbur, we've always been pals, haven't we? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. We've always shared and shared alike, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Well, now, look, let's be reasonable. Come on. I've always shared with you. That you have. If I had two cigarettes, I'd give you one. That's right. And if I had two pair of shoes, I'd give you a pair. Don't I know that? And if I have two girls... Uh, well? Why don't you light that cigarette, put on those shoes, and take a walk for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, and then uh, uh, Wilbur invents a third woman. <laughs> yeah. and he describes her and, and, and then uh, says to Chick, that's your date. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, this is a great. I mean, all the banter between them is just so funny. Yeah, uh, didn't you feel like they, they they had worked together for like forever, and they could do these routines nonstop if they wished? Oh, I think they could just probably rift and just not even. I mean, I'm. That's the thing about it. I'm sure they practiced and they wrote these things out, and they they're very professional about it. But it just felt like they could get up and just do that for an hour and without any preparation they probably could they, i think the reason i like this movie so much is it's kind of the they're at the very top of their game in this one as i've seen earlier ones and later ones this one to me is where everything works for what they're trying to do i don't think they missed a beat like none of the none of the skits missed a beat none of the the pacing was perfect uh i mean the 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 inclusion of the universal monsters was done in such a, a way that it didn't feel, you know, super cheesy. It, it kind of made sense for the plot, you know, and it, it all, all the pieces are just firing on, you know, it's just running on all cylinders. It's, it's great. Okay. So then they, they decide they have to check on Talbot. Cause they almost forget that they locked him in. Talbot is uh, played by Lon Chaney and he's the wolf man. Uh, and they go into his room, and the room is a complete disaster. <laughs> and there's another no one, of, another one of my favorite lines. Boy, what a bender he must have been on last night. Hey, Mr. Talbot, Mr. Talbot, and I thought you were such a nice man too. Look at yourself, you're a mess. Last night, I went through another of my horrible experiences. Years ago, I was bitten by a werewolf. Ever since when the full moon rises, I turn into a wolf myself. Oh, pal. 
That's all right. I'm sort of a wolf myself. (laughs) (laughs) Talk talking about the fact that he's got all these girls that like him. Later in the movies, there's another line where one of them says, "Oh, there's these." uh, Lon Chaney's talking about he's a wolf man, and and one of the characters says, "Yeah, so are twenty million other guys." (laughs) 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 He's having a hard time getting the message across. Nobody believes it that he's a wolf man. so I, probably about halfway through the movie at this point. Um, so then they they go to the castle for the <clears throat> masquerade ball, and there's another great scene between uh, Wilbur and Chick where they talk about how uh, Chick had two girls the week before, and that Chick had shared one of the girls with Wilbur. You know, like they were on a double date, and will they somehow get onto the topic about the woman's teeth? How about the two girls we had last week? All right, let's not talk about You got no kick coming. I'm not kicking. You had the best looking one. So what? Yours had teeth. I, look, Wilbur. Yours had teeth, too. Did you see that tooth? Yes, I happened to see it. Mine had so much bridge work, every time I kissed her, I had to pay toll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there's so many uh, good quotes. There's just too many good quotes. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I, I, uh, backing up just a, just a tad... When we see the uh, straight man doctor, yeah, and he comes down those stairs of the castle, I swear that scene, those, those, that set has been in every Universal monster movie. The stairs down across that big lobby to the door. I, I think I've seen that in Dracula, the Wolfman, everything. They must have reused those sets dozens and dozens of times. Well, they 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 would have to because I think yeah. they probably cost so much money to make, and that's why they you know they still have the back lot because they still use those in TV shows and movies. Wilbur and Chick kind of start to explore the castle, and of course Wilbur runs into the creature, and the insurance agent uh, finds Doctor Frankenstein's journal, and Wilbur's girlfriend catches her snooping around. So there's kind of like little kind of things happening around the castle. And then they all get back together at the foot of the stairs in the castle there, and it's Chick, Wilbur, Dracula, the two women, and that straight man doctor. And Dr. Mornay introduces Dracula to Wilbur, and I just loved how Wilbur kind of crooned to Dracula like he was like a little puppy next to Dracula. (laughs) He was rubbing his face up against Dracula's arm and... (laughs) Uh, Bella Lugosi was perfect as Dracula. Good Lord. You know, having just watched the original Dracula a couple weeks ago and then and then watching this movie, uh, I noticed that he'd aged quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, he must have been in his maybe late 50s, early 60s in this movie. Um, uh, but still, just as, I, just as enigmatic as he was in the original. Uh, he did age quickly. I think he had some other issues in his life. Uh, there's a there's a scene where it, it gets back to a little bit of the horror movie where uh, Dr. Mornay and Dracula are talking about getting uh, Wilbur's brain and, and talking about their plan, and Dr. Mornay kind of makes a comment about how she's got an extremely strong willpower and probably stronger than Dracula's, and Dracula doesn't like that too much. So she he ends up biting her on the neck and turning her into one of his uh, minions. Yes, she wanted to 
weighed on on the brain transfer because she was afraid that insurance investigator would make it hard for them to get it done and they would be discovered. Dracula wanted none of that. Yeah, Dracula wanted to continue on with the plan, and he wasn't going to have anybody questioning him. So now, now Doctor Mornay's under his power. Uh, and then they're at the. It's, it's funny, a little later, I'm jumping ahead, but when they go in that boat back to the castle from the masquerade party, everybody on the boat has been hypnotized by Dracula. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the Stepford Wives plus two. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so now we're back at the masquerade ball, and then this is just one scene after another. It's kind of like hijinks. It's like Dracula's it there, is. the Wolfman's there. At some point, uh, the the creature show, shows up. McDougal's there, the straight man doctor, and they're all sort of chasing each other around and trying to get away from each other or get get each other. Finally, Chick sees Dracula change from a bat into a person, and he knows what's that you know that there actually is. A vampire. There actually is Dracula there, but Dracula hypnotizes both of them and then takes Wilbur away back to the castle. And then we get this great scene with Wilbur strung up in the laboratory, waiting to have the surgery. <laughs> Looks like something out of the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah, and, and just the way he acts and what he says is just so funny. Like uh, I think Doctor Mornay says, "Lie down, dear. Yes, master." Frankie, don't let him do it to you. Frankie, boy, listen to me, Frankie. Don't let him do it to you. Frankie, Frankie, I'm telling you, it's a bad deal. I've had this brain for 30 years and it hasn't worked right yet. Ask me how much one-on-one is, Frankie. Go ahead, ask me. I don't know. We'll be right back, Wilbur. Okay. I'll wait. <laughs> Like he's going to be able to go Like anywhere. he's going anywhere, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, there was another scene where a little earlier where Wilbur's being chased by Dracula and Frankenstein, and they go through that revolving door. Oh, yeah. And they're always on the other side, so Chick doesn't know that this is happening. And I half expected to hear Gene Wilder say, put the candle back. I, I get thought... get that door from... That's exactly what I thought, too. Funny. And I wonder if they pulled that from uh, this movie for... Young Frankenstein. I wonder if there was some of this movie in Young Frankenstein. You know, it, it it felt like it a bit. Remember the when they knocked on the door of the castle, that huge knocker. Yeah, that's right. That was right out of Young Frankenstein. <laughs> I think I think that Mel Brooks had pulled from other other movies, including this one. It all comes back to Young Frankenstein. Um. It does. <laughs> it's <all> right. <laughs> uh, Chick gets uh, Wilbur out of that contraption, but practically kills him in the process of doing it. And then uh, Wilbur says, Dracula is Dracula, and Sandra's going to use my brain to make a bigger dummy out of the other dummy. Wait, I'll get you out of this. You'll kill me. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Uh, and then we have a big battle right before the, the surgery. So Wilbur's on the surgery table, and, and the creature's on the other table, and and then the Wolfman shows up and, and starts the battle Dracula. And Sandra's... They're swirling the tables around. The tables are swirling around and they're having this battle. And then the creature breaks out of his table and Wilbur's still on on the other table. And Sandra comes in 
and tries to stop the creature from attacking Wilbur, but the creature just picks her up and throws her out of the window. (laughs) (laughs) So long. That's the last we see of her. That's the last we see of her. Yeah. I was reading when they did this scene, the uh, actor that was playing Frankenstein, Glenn Strange, some equipment fell on his leg and it broke. So he couldn't finish the rest of the movie. So Lon Chaney Jr. did double duty. He played in the later scenes... He played both Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Oh my gosh! I didn't. I didn't know that. And I was looking at the end near the end of the movie, and it he, he kind of does look different. Well, I noticed that near the end of the movie, uh, the makeup was a little bit different, and his uh, the creature's eyes were completely closed. Uh, yes. And earlier in the movie, they they weren't, and I, I I didn't know why, but maybe that maybe they were trying to cover up the fact that it was actually Lon Chaney Jr. I huh. love that scene, though, where they're fighting in the laboratory. Everybody's involved. Oh, it's like a melee. It's like it's like a WWF wrestling match, and there's like a you know, tag team going on. It's great. Or that or that uh, fight scene in the cafeteria in Animal House. Oh, they yeah. Throwing pies. <laughs> Total chaos. <laughs> All we needed was John Bellucci running in. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> oh, um so let's see. Then, they, then we have this chase through the the castle, and the, my favorite part of that was when Chick and Wilbur tried to barricade themselves into a bedroom, but they don't realize that the door opens out. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a scene that they borrowed in the thing, the 1952 movie, the thing. They barricade a door, not realizing that the monster opens it up the other way. Oh, that's right. So the, barricade, the barricade does no good it's at all. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Like a comedy there. I think I've been watching too many old movies. Oh, never, never. Man, oh, man. Uh, they're all connected somehow. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and then uh, Dracula and the Wolfman are having a battle, and uh, then the creature shows up, and they're all in the scene at once. It's In the background, Dracula and the Wolfman are throwing things at each other and wrestling, and then in the foreground, Chick and Wilbur are trying to get away from the creature. And... Wilbur tries to trick the creature into thinking he's Dracula, and it actually works until Wilbur goes, hey, it worked. And then the creature's like, you're not Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> and off they go again. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then another great scene was when uh, Dracula is on the balcony. And, of course, this castle's on this edge of this huge cliff next to the ocean, right? Like oh, all, sure. Like yeah. all great castles should be. Yep. And he's on this balcony. He's changing into a bat. And just as soon as he changes into a bat, the wolfman runs up behind him, jumps on him, and they both fall into the ocean and, and are destroyed, question mark. You know, we don't actually know, right. but maybe they're destroyed, but we don't see them again in the movie. And then the creature chases Wilbur and Chick down onto the dock where the creature uh, uh, gets end, uh, gets set on fire and is destroyed, question mark? We don't know. <laughs> He's been set on fire before. Yeah, he's gone through a lot. He's got amazing. Fires. He's got amazing regenerative powers. You know, it's like crazy. The uh, thing I read about it was that a lot of people that kind of study these things said that this was sort of the culmination and the end point to the golden age of monster mash and classic Universal monster movies. This, you know, kind of brought it all together. And then the later ones, like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and some of those, were a little different than what this was. 
So, you know, I don't think we see these monsters reappear again, do we, anywhere in movies? I mean, not in this format. No, um, but we should mention that the very last scene of the movie before we uh, talk about that is that Wilbur and Chick are in the rowboat trying to escape, (laughs) and then somebody lights a cigarette behind them, and it's the Invisible Man is in the boat with them. Well, he won't chase us anymore. And another thing, Mr. Chick Young, the next time that I tell you that I saw something when I saw it, you believe me that I saw it. All relaxed. Now that we've seen the last of Dracula, the Wolfman and the Monster, there's nobody to frighten us anymore. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping to get in on the excitement. Who said that? Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the Invisible Man. (laughs) So the only one that's not in this movie is the creature. I think it would have been great if the creature could have, like, put his hand up on the boat. But, Over the boat. But this was before the movie that, with the creature, yeah. so it really wasn't... I mean, nobody knew about the creature at the at that point. I, I wondered as I watched that ending, there's a later movie with Abbott and Costello where they do... I think it includes The Invisible Man and a few others, so this may not have been the end point. But I got to thinking to myself, is that the lake that exists on the Universal Studios? I bet it was. Oh, of course. You know, will you take the tour? It's got to be. It's. Yeah. I'm sure it is. You know, th- yeah. I don't think. I think this is sort of the high point, or like you say, maybe the end point for the classic Universal horror movie monsters. And we definitely see Dracula. We definitely see you know Frankenstein's creature, uh, the Invisible Man, in other movies later, all the way up until you know modern day. But I don't think. It's the same. I don't know what it is about these old movies. I've been thinking about this a lot uh, that is so special. Uh, But there's just something about it. It's kind of the mix of horror and comedy and slapstick and drama and suspense. And they just all are in, in, in there. And even in this movie, it's got suspense. It's got some horror. It's got a lot of comedy, obviously. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think also it's the lighting, the black and white photography, which they, uh, Hollywood got so good at the black and white tones and all. It's it's the whole mood of the thing. So, so some previews have been released of the new Dracula movie, and it's like an origin story of Dracula, and it it definitely looks interesting to me. It looks it looks good, uh, but you know, I was really wondering what how they were going to kind of reboot these Universal monster movies and. It it feels a little bit like kind of a Lord of the Rings, you know, Peter Jackson style direct direction that they're going with with them. Oh, okay. Like it's it's sort of this epic story with epic battles and super great special effects. And I know that's t- this is totally unrealistic, but I was almost hoping that they would try to recapture some of that what we just <laughs> talked about from the originals, you know, even to the point where uh, there'd be black and white. Yeah, exactly. And I I know that that's never going to happen, but. Man, it would be interesting if somebody remade like a horror movie in Oops. that classic style. I, are these new? Is the new movie on Dracula? Is that coming from Universal? Yeah, I yeah. guess they would probably still own the rights to all those. Yeah, I think so. My and guess would be Dracula Untold is the name of it, and nice. Gary Shore is directing it, and Luke Evans plays Vlad Tepes, which is sort of like the Dracula character. Let's see. I'm if... looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Well, you know that the thing too is that it's it's never just yeah. Production company is Universal Pictures, Legendary Pictures, 
and Michael DeLuca Productions. So the thing about movies today <clears throat> is they're so expensive is that they, they can't just have yeah. one company backing it. So what did you uh, what you what you give it for a rating? Uh, I gave it an eight out of ten on our scale, and I said that it's a fun fun movie. I just have a hard time putting it up there with uh, Grapes of Wrath or or Double Indemnity, but it's close. I, I, I you know I love the black and white. It, I was thinking it would not be the same. I hate to go back to Young Frankenstein, but I will for a minute. That movie would not nearly be as fun to me if it were in Technicolor or, or color as it is in black and white. And I think that coloring on these movies makes a difference, to me anyway. Oh, I think, I think it's a big part of it. I, I agree. Uh, I would give it a 7, maybe. Well, it's, yeah, I'd probably stick with a 7. It's definitely better than the average. I don't think it's quite... It's definitely not like up there with... <clears throat> Grapes of Wrath or Double Indemnity. Uh, Even though it is seen as culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Yeah. I love those words. That's right out of the, that's right out of the uh, award or whatever it's called. <laughs> and well, it's, you know, we've had, a pre- we've had a pretty good rating. We've gone from a 4 to a 10, and we probably are centered somewhere around 7 or 8. Yeah, it's, and the more that we do, the more I'm trying to position my ratings in context with what we've already rated. And uh, Me too. you know, it's it's definitely a seven or an eight. I probably land on a seven. Okay. I, I love I, I love the comedy, and I, I thought it was a great movie. It's it's just uh, not quite like an eight, nine, or a ten for me. Um, Have you ever seen the Abbott and Costello routine? Who's on first? Of course. The baseball. <laughs> yeah, I love that routine. Oh, that I never get tired of that. So what are we going to do next time? We had some ideas. Well, we had some ideas. I, I've sort of been leaning towards Singing in the Rain. You sent that one to me this morning. That's a wonderful movie. It's fun. The music is great. And it has a nice story. I, I think and It's probably time for a musical. I think we should do a musical, and I think it would be a nice change of pace from three episodes of Universal Horror. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next time we'll. I think I even have that in my uh, inventory. I, I I think I do too, or it might be on Netflix. I'll have to look, but we'll we'll definitely get a well, copy otherwise. It's got some great songs and dancing, and one of my favorite actors, Donald O'Connor, has a lead role in that. He's so good. I mean, they're all good, but he's a favorite. So awesome. Next time it's singing in the rain. Sounds like a plan. Well, this has been fun. Our little Universal Monster Movie Marathon is coming to an end, and we'll we'll be a little bit more uh, on the Technicolor upbeat side next time. But we will return at some point in the future to more horror movies because they're endless. Oh, there's so many, like Wax Museum, Invisible Man. There's more. (laughs) We could do more. Claude Rains, that's the (laughs) Invisible Man. All right. All right, well, until next time, this is Matt Johnson. And Bob Johnson in very hot Los Angeles. Yeah, you're having a heat wave down there, over 100 degrees. Yeah. Well, for tanning. We have rain today, so there's that. All right. Send it down. Until next time, uh, have a great week of movie watching.
Well, I got your notes here on Bud and Lou. Yeah, I watched well, it once last week, and then I kind of, but I wasn't paying that close of attention, so then I watched it again this morning and tried to take some notes. So I uh, I looked up some things. The guy that plays Frankenstein, Glenn Strange. Yeah. I, I looked him up and saw his picture. He used to play. He had a regular role on Gunsmoke as the bartender. Oh, really? At at Miss Kitty's saloon. I oh. didn't know that was the same guy. He must have made five hundred movies where or television shows where he played a character actor. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really recognize the name. I mean, it sounded familiar, but I don't know him very well. Um, but no, I didn't. I didn't either. Why don't we do the opening here and then we can just All right, jump in? I am ready. That was the opening music to. Oh, I for, Oh, this has got to be a Universal movie. That was the open. Here we go. I do it again. That was the opening music to Universal Studios, Abbott and Costello. Up. Oh, I'll try it again because you coughed in the middle of it. Um, that was the opening music to Abbott and Costello's. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This is it. <laughs> 